Okay. All right. Hey guys, uh, we are really thrilled to be here with uh, Heidi uh, McKillop, and she is the uh, young lady that did the uh, movie, the documentary, A Stranded Nation Up in Canada. And it is a fabulous movie that is up on uh, YouTube. I'm also joined by my host, uh, Michael Tanner. He's the host of uh, Oil and Gas uh, Digital360.com. So, uh, with that, welcome, guys. We sure are glad you're here. I'm super happy to be here. Excited to be here. You've got um, you've got some really cool stuff. I really loved your movie, um, your podcast. I'm a big podcast guy, so it's one podcast host to another. I think it's fabulous. So, <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> and we are just so excited about your enthusiasm. And I, I when I sat down and and watched the the video uh, of a documentary about in, uh, energy. Canada, where you came from, and as we chat uh, here, we want to know where you came from. Uh, as the movie kind of says, you've got a nice uh, rural background on a farm, you appreciate things, and then we go through the movie and we talk about uh, regulations, and then we talk about Canada and U.S., and you know, let's hear about what it was, why you uh, wanted to do it, and man, the videography was cool. So I, I bet you're uh, tired of helicopters all over the place. So, well, it was. I mean, the videography was a really interesting thing to tackle because obviously it costs a lot of money either to buy stock or to film it yourself, right? So there's actually quite a few clips. There's 84 to be exact that are shot from my iPhone. So, what, like, basically, what was happening at the end of the film is I couldn't afford to have my camera guy to come out out across Canada with me. So I drove um, from Niagara Falls where my uncle lives and I went all the way through Parliament. I went all through Quebec, um, all over New Brunswick. And I just stood outside and I just filmed, like had my seconds of clips. And then I think I ended up filming almost 300 um, separate B-roll clips and ended up using 84. So there's a, a lot of little things that I ended up doing as um, on a production side to cut costs, which was really great. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a really kind of interesting journey moving from Eastern Canada, uh, the meager times, especially in New Brunswick, most folks are quite anti um, oil and gas in that region. Typically, I mean, there's quite a few folks that have worked in mining, some of them have worked out west here and have worked on rigs, without really fully understanding concepts like transfer payments that happen in Canada, which have a very, very um, heavy socialistic uh, vibe to them. Right. And that actually was brought in primarily and has been critically um, foundational to the federal government. And it's been headwayed by our conservative party. So it's kind of a fascinating concept is that we take money from have provinces that are doing very well in economic um, uh, fields. So that would be oil and gas, primarily agriculture, uh, forestry, whatever it may be from natural resource sector, but also personal income taxes, business income taxes and it gets transferred to other provinces like my own. So that, I mean, there's the journey of knowing where the money comes from and how it gets distributed was a huge uh, impactful moment for me as a New Brunswicker now living in Alberta. But when I first moved out here, I was certainly anti-oil and gas. Um, I have a very, very strong liberal arts background. So my first degree is in sociology. My second degree is in social work. And those programs are anti-capitalism. They're very heavily rooted in these concepts and it's critiquing a system that exists that gives us all of the 
commodity, all of the products that we use every single day at a cheap, affordable cost. And therefore, we live in this prestigious element. And it's kind of an ironic thing to criticize something that we take so much for granted. So that's really my takeaway on a personal level from the film that I discovered when I was um, doing all the research. But it's, uh, you know, I, this is my bias. It's totally my bias, but waitressing is the best way to get to know people. I've been waitressing for mm -hmm. 12 years and I cannot tell you how much I've learned from just listening to customers, talking with people, interacting with community members. And that's really where every single interview and every single person connected to the film was from Joey's, from the restaurant that I work at. So it's kind of an interesting thing. It was either they introduced me to someone or gave me an email and I cold emailed them. And that's how the whole uh, film came into fruition. Sitting here trying to ask a question. Anyway, I'm on mute. Thank you, Michael. Um, <laughs> hey, I, your um, your uh, waitressing, we had talked just a little bit of, uh, before, uh, while, before we started filming, and that is, uh, I really appreciate the fact that you did get all of your folks there from waitressing. You did uh, start meeting everybody, and you're still doing it. I think that that is really, really cool. And the movie you made was a passion movie. Absolutely. I mean, th that's really cool. Now, you also brought up some things just now about the differences in the provinces that I was not really even paying attention to as a U.S. citizen. Mm, um, you know, totally. taking, taking a look at uh, transferring of money back and forth, that is really not uh, very good as far as being fair. And then you take a look at Alberta and you take a look at the, uh, um, the Edmonton and everything else. Uh, if the production of oil is not happening, the billions of dollars are not transferred to the other provinces. So people need to understand that money mm -hmm. is involved. Huge ignorance out here. There's a massive, massive um, ignorance across Canada. And one thing that I usually like to highlight, though, is that people tend to be more connected but what I'm mostly frustrated about is our federal government. It is absolutely insane that Blanchet and Elizabeth May are standing up and saying oil is dead when Quebec is receiving billions and billions of transfer payment dollars. And it's a country that is just broken because of that. And you have also Trudeau that is also standing up and it's not taking a stance either way. And that's, that's really, really poor leadership. And that's my problem is that I'm not really concerned about someone disagreeing on a personal level, on a citizen level. I'm really, really offended by the government. And I think most Albertans are, we've been paying into this system and there's no problem. I think most Albertans will love to support the rest of Canada. That's, that's, that's the, really not the problem out here. What we're asking for is that they have a stability for businesses and for investment coming into Alberta and predictability. And there's just no predictability out here anymore. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, that's very interesting. And, I, and, and one thing I, I just wanted to ask is, you know, I think in the United States, one of the biggest, you know, pretty much the only piece of media we hear about Canadian energy is that it's extremely dirty and all the videos that come out of are the tar sands. Is that, what do you think the biggest misconception about like the Canadian industry is? And, and is that partly just due to media coverage and maybe why do you think? 
Well, there's, well, there's two components which are really fascinating. So that's also covered in the film a little bit mm. is Vivian Krauss's research from the tar sands campaign. So it's a systematic campaign against Canadian energy because it makes sense. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that if you're one customer, which is 99% of our oil and gas is sold to the States, that companies down in the States are going to want to take advantage of the cheap prices that we're going to provide. That's just a given. But there's a couple of problems with that because the campaign was so successful and it's been going on for 10 years. We have refineries in New Brunswick, the Irving refinery, especially, they were going to do a massive, massive recall in that refinery. And it's a port city in St. John. So what was going to happen with the pipeline, the pipeline actually goes all the way to basically Ontario. So Ontario and Quebec was the only two provinces they would actually have to build this pipeline. And it got fought and fought and fought in Ontario. It was a huge problem. And then when it hit Quebec, that was a totally other problem. It absolutely got crushed. So Energy East was not successful. And with that, we are now, I mean, it's going to, hopefully the climate's going to start changing with Trans Mountain uh, once we start getting more of these pipelines built. But that certainly is a massive problem of um, infrastructure that we're facing but it's politics at the end of the day. So Quebec is willing to block those, those pipeline projects, those nationalistic projects. They shouldn't be able to receive those payments from natural resource sector, which is primarily oil and gas. So I think you can't, you can't have both sides, right? And what was, so what was the second part that you asked about that too? I just, you know, I, I just, the biggest, there's just, I think there's just specifically like you brought up your specific when I was listening to your podcast and watching movie, the misconceptions around the Canadian industry are, are one incredible. And two, I think, you know, partly from an American side, I think we're getting fed one side of the story and not mm. the success side of, I think what's going on in, in specifically the Canadian industry, considering we are the pretty much the only people that purchase uh, Canadian energy. Mm -hmm. and, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think and what we need to understand is partnership between Canada and the United States and North America. We are blessed to have each other as neighbors. It quite literally is an amazing thing. You know, we don't have, it's not Russia up here, it's Canada, right? There's a lot of things that we can improve on. And all I'm asking is that Canadians and our federal government gets their, their ducks in a row because what it comes down to is we're just getting taken advantage of. And I mean, like, come on, this is just, this is just not good for Canadian citizens. It's not good for me as a taxpayer. You know, I, I'm tired of paying into a taxpayer um, system that I'm receiving very little benefits back from. So these are all kind of concepts that we really have to be pushing for. And uh, like I said earlier, with our current government and the opposition that's um, in house, we have a very weak voice right now. As a conservative party, there hasn't been, um, we've been a little bit disorganized. There hasn't been a lot of um, continuity in the party to really push out these concepts that like all the millennials and all these young people were voting for Justin because he was a good looking guy, quite literally. <laughs> and he had good hair. So it's a little bit embarrassing for my millennial generation. He's got better hair than Stu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Heidi, I've got I've got two questions here, and uh, one of them is we noticed that uh, I, that uh, Canada has just brought together their first LNG plant, and with bringing on there's such a uh, demand for LNG coming up in the uh, Asian markets. Absolutely. Um, uh, 
I would love to see uh, Canada branch out because it would uh, eliminate that U.S. Um, big brother kind of feeling that we could just buy cheap energy from you. I think mm -hmm. it would reset the balance between Canada and U.S. and keep the money up there. So, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, LNG uh, is changing the world for sure. And also on the emissions standpoint, even if you talk about emissions, LNG is the way to go. It's not, it's not an if, and, or buts at this point. It is where the energy sector is heading. I mean, the LNG, we're trying to get that balance between the U.S. and Canada. We got to get that back for its e even pricing. It's not fair. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely, absolutely, and it, it really is Canada's. Um, it's Canada's fault at the end of the day. You know, this is the problem. Is like I have been very critical, and obviously love oil and gas industry out here. I love the folks that I've met through the oil and gas industry, but I really criticize them a lot. Is the complacency of the situation, and and I always told them. Once I finished the film, I, one of my things that I, I spoke about in um, this conference, I said, why did it take a waitress from New Brunswick to make this film? Why wasn't this done, you know, years before on a marketing standpoint? And I'm thankful it did. It changed my life. And I'm really, really passionate about it. But it really comes down to we get a little bit too corporate out here. So we like like to say we have the best regulations we have the best regulations we do this we're super great at human rights and the average like joe blow down the street or you know my friends that are all millennial girls on instagram do you think they're going to care about that like absolutely not mm -hmm. you know they're going to be watching their cat videos so and there's nothing wrong with that but when we're reaching people in educating public it comes down to obviously it's a marketing one-on-one who's your audience who do you want to reach what is your what is your vision moving forward? And uh, it, we can't keep beating our heads against the wall and doing the same strategies. I think that just needs to be a fresher view on the things. Yeah, and you know, you bring up the regulatory side, which is is a question I had because you know another you know let's say you know American assumption about the Canadian industry is that you know from a regulation standpoint, mm -hmm. you guys are the gold standard, and from a marketing perspective, you guys have done a good job. From your perspective, as somebody who obviously who's 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 working in the energy development business, how do you see the regulations, and do you necessarily have that same standpoint that they are what the best in the world? Because you know, a lot of I, I've been on numerous talks for HSE in America where they're referencing Canadian regulations that we would love to um, adopt in the United States. How do you mm -hmm. see that, that, that playing? Well, I think this is a really, really important question. And uh, this is a very, it's a vast, vast, vast conversation. However, what is so incredible out here? So we have actually our, um, our venting and flaring emissions regulation on methane that's coming down the pipes in two years. So it's going to be mandatory that all companies have a zero emissions. So there's actually a company out here. Um, they're called WestGen Technologies. It's um, it, essentially they're eliminating the emissions component and of, with methane on site. So in an affordable way, these are concepts like they're a fairly new company. They're two young guys that run it and they have taken a fresh new approach to things and made it incredibly effective. And they're, hundreds of stories of companies that are doing that out here. And that just is a, is a telltale of we're solving this problem quite literally on site to zero emissions. And same with modern resources. Uh, the gentleman was in the, in the film speaking the CEO. He also has the same concept. Um, it's called meal sites. We also have a lot of companies now in Texas and in Canada that are obviously in 
huge cooperation with each other on recycling water. So that's another problem in the industry that certainly is a concern that really hasn't yeah. been addressed fully yet is the water recycling mm -hmm. usage. Because yes, we have a lot of fresh water in Canada. Again, it comes down to this concern for the environment and this passion to make sure that we're not overusing natural resources that we, we quite literally are so blessed to have. You can't live without fresh water. So we shouldn't be using it as if we can, if possible on site for when we're doing these kind of um, operations. So there's lots of improvement that needs to happen that is going to happen and certainly is changing. Um, but yes, the regulatory process out here is incredibly um, strict and for good reason. You, you want to be able to protect species and you want to be able to have reclamation projects. But unfortunately with downturns like this, this is also quite literally where the problem comes in for companies is, you know, if, we're, if they're going bankrupt, who, who is gonna adopt these, these wells, right? So in Alberta, we have an orphan well program uh, there are abandoned wells that they have to be reclaimed, fully reclaimed. And these are um, things that would be incredible. They would be able to be improved if there was a climate of actual money out here that they were able to allocate to these, these areas, right? So it's kind of ironic that when you have a downturn that this is a place that can suffer as well. Uh, and and Heidi in the movie, uh, we talked. Uh, you talked. I'm already moving in on your movie there. Uh, on your on your movie, you talked about uh, Canada uses a lot of energy, and by using a lot of energy, you would think mm -hmm. that the uh, per capita use of energy, but your CO2 and your pollutions are not as bad because of your regulations, and you're such a minuscule portion compared to the rest of the world, I just found that whole conversation amazing on the amount of power Canadians use. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. Because, well, exactly like the film says, we are a large company or country. It takes a lot of energy to fly back and forth and to transfer goods back and forth. I mean, we're the second largest landmass in the world, quite literally. And uh, these are really important things to understand. We're a cold climate. We have energy intensive industries like oil and gas. We have forestry. Because we're a natural resource producing country, primarily, that's how our NAFTA agreement is negotiated primarily from the United States. They, you think the United States would be willing to work with us if we were a small country? Say we were, say we were just, you know, maybe the size of New Brunswick. It's because we have these natural resources. This is why we're in partnership closely with the United States because you guys demand those resources. Mm -hmm. So taking the responsibility of developing them properly is definitely our responsibility. And this is what we need to do. Um, but oil and gas is looked at as the poster child of problems and that we are the dirtiest in all of the sectors and, you know, agriculture is clean and, Agriculture is probably one of the worst industries that is polluting and there's no regulations. It's just shocking to me. It's like, okay, well, why are we looking at one industry and not looking at them all? So, and if we're going to eliminate all of our coal plants in Canada and we're going to import it from China now, how is that ethical? Like what, what is, what is the world we live in? Like, what does, how does that make sense? It just blows my mind. <laughs> Yeah, and, and one of the things that we talk about along this note is this idea of how do you educate people about this idea that energy is good for us, low, affordable energy. So, I mean, besides having every 
maybe third, you know, maybe fifth grader in Canada watch your movie, which I think would probably be the first step of educating um, the Canadians. Is, is there some education pieces that, that you see out there that, that would be helpful to kind of get this story out there? Because, I mean, your movie does a really good job of, of, of doing that. But I wonder if there's other ways to maybe push this issue forward. Yeah, that's a tricky one because I feel like, like especially for me living in Alberta and then going back east to New Brunswick all the time to visit my my folks and my family, is that um, we're quite compartmentalizing Canada. I don't know if it's just because it's such a large country getting across everywhere, but Eastern Canadian news is not the same as Western Canadian news. And CBC is really interesting because that's our, our primary um, media center in Canada, our national media center. And if you look at CBC in Ottawa, they are incredibly anti-oil and gas, and they have very, very strong sentiments about not pushing out pro-oil and gas news, right? So it's like, how do you challenge also the media mm -hmm. to be more accountable because they're also a corporation, they're going after viewership, and they, they're catering to their regions, right? It's no longer journalism of accountability of what is the real questions. And I'm not saying that all people that work in that area are that way. There are incredible journalists across the country. But as a media center itself, they have not covered the pro-oil and gas side of things. And they have not covered the narrative of the industry out here of what they're doing. And I think that's a real shame. And that's definitely um, causing a lot of educational issues across the country. So I think personally, um, I definitely want to see a lot more campaigning. I want to see a lot more um, lobby groups that are going to be going into Eastern Canada that can provide the information in a very um, respectful, calm way. You know, showing, I personally went to New Brunswick and showed the documentary in my home area. So that those experiences were really helpful because when you can speak to someone's concerns and speak to conversations directly, it, it does change um, it has a huge impact on people. Hey, uh, Heidi, on, on the education process that Michael just asked you about, and that is how do we educate folks and get the word out? Let's take it to one next step. How do you educate folks and what do you see in Canada and the U.S. post-COVID? Uh, what are your thoughts and do you have another movie going on? <laughs> yeah, I definitely would love to tackle another documentary. I mean, I certainly this is my passion. So my brain is never off. It just constantly is moving in towards concepts um, such as supply chain. I think post COVID that should be a huge red flag for everybody. Um, just the amount of petroleum byproducts that we use during COVID uh, for safety issues, for health officials. These are all things that are manufactured and brought to you by oil and gas. So when we're saying we're anti-oil and gas, what are you anti? You know, you're supporting those products every single day of your mm -hmm. life. So I'd really like to see that educational awareness be more connected. And we've talked about this earlier is supply chain to me is a really important concept. I understand when people are anti-capitalism. I get they're critiquing a system that perhaps hasn't been fair and maybe in their personal lives or for whatever reason to someone else that's been in their, in their surroundings. However, we all benefit from it. And, you know, the next time you shop at Walmart or the next time you're at Superstore getting a low um, price for your, your food or even your clothes or whatever it may be, a household product that is manufactured and produced, God knows where and what country, and brought to you by oil and gas via transportation. So these are 
things that I'm deeply passionate about and that's what I'd like to really focus on for our next film is really making that connectedness between consumerism and products because I mean growing up in the country you you farm and those farmers work incredibly hard to produce and manufacture and have food on your table and you you really don't realize how much goes into it until you're physically working in it and you're and you're grinding and you're doing that and of course they obviously farmers do that for a passion for the environment a passion for the land but uh, we as city folks we're sitting in our condos and we're eating our avocados and toast in the morning and we're ranting about how much we don't like oil and gas and it's dirty it's it's a the hypocrisy and the irony behind it is quite astounding no, you bring up. I think that it's that you you hit the nail on the head. The hypocrisy between what people the the value chain between um, what people believe and what actually happens is incredible. We had an internal discussion about a week ago that we just we posted on the Energy Three Hundred and Sixty Network on, on the new Michael Moore special that actually got taken down from mm. YouTube. Planet of Humans. Do you have any thought? Did you get a chance to see that? And 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 do you have any thoughts on that? Because that would I know that caused a pretty stir up down here. That was really impressive film. I mean, I watched it actually three times. Awesome. It was really, really, really well done. Um, I was incredibly thankful for uh, Jeff Gibbs to be able to go out and the same thing, go to these conventions and, um, you know, his personal surroundings and just put a little bit of a mirror in front of himself and say, what are we actually doing? Is this actually being powered by solar panels? You know, that moment of the film where the guy goes, this isn't enough to power a toster. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was, that was probably one of my highlights and of the whole just film. just the, 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 waste and the destruction of land like when they they zoomed over and you saw the the solar fields out in the mojave desert it was just it was that thing's five years old about 60 percent of the the, the panes were just glass sitting there it was the environmental impact was something that even me working in the energies you didn't quite know about the renewables that shocked me that's right and it, again it, it shouldn't be one against the other and i think this is what chris Zabliski and um we discuss a lot in the film is that it's a complementary thing so yeah, it, in some cases it could really work in a region. So hydro is a great source of energy as well. You can't have hydro everywhere, depending on where you live in Alberta and in certain aspects of the country and the terrain, it's just not a natural element. So these are, these are things that when you're looking at an energy portfolio, I'd like to call it, is that the government should be looking at and say, what are our strengths in this province? What are the terrain? What is, what will work best? And how do we put it all together, right? So I think that's just really where an honest conversation would come from. But we've got so much politics going on in this conversation. And we got so many strong voices across the world. Quite, I mean, we've got celebrities, we've got people just mm -hmm. shouting from the rooftop and they're the most privileged and yeah. energy consumers in the world. And again, it just comes to the irony, the hypocrisy in this is what yeah. I really, can't get over sometimes <laughs> no it, it is definitely true and and i'm looking at the time here we're kind of close sometimes so before we let you get out of here can, can can you give a little plug for yourself where can people find you whether it's linkedin your i know you have a podcast youtube so kind of give yourself a little plug before we let you get out of here yeah totally um so yeah linkedin is great obviously it's a really good connected source um i have i like a like a youtube where you can watch the film and uh, the podcasts are on strandednation.ca Awesome. Well, we, we really appreciate your time and we'll make sure to have all of those links in the show notes. Stu, you got anything before we let her get out of here? 
I would just like to say thank you very much for yes, your dedication. Agreed. You are such a real treat uh, for us, yeah. and we really just really appreciate you and everything that you've got going on, and really appreciate your time. So thank you, Heidi. Thank you, guys. Honestly, I had so much fun today. I really appreciate you guys asking me to come on. Good. We, we, we really enjoyed it. Thank you.